Folks, welcome back. It's Mick Cullen from Redcliffe Marketing Labs. And in this interview, I'm talking with Arne Betteridge of Signature Clothing. And we're going to learn all about how we can use uh, T-shirts and uniforms in your marketing. So Arne, hey, thanks very much for giving us the time and, and chatting with us today. Yeah, thanks, Mick. Thanks for contacting me. And uh, yeah, hope we get some, uh, some benefit for your listeners out of this. Awesome. Well... I'm pretty much a, a newbie when it comes to using shirts for the marketing side and, and what uh, I guess we want to get out of here is for business owners who are looking to go back and get their shirts redone or their uniforms redone or someone who hasn't actually had um, some kind of clothing or hats done before uh, for their business, what are the things we need to know? Um, what do we need to be able to, to, uh, to bring to you or to a, uh, a company that does this uh, and, and what's the best way to go about it? So I guess if we'll, we'll circle back around on those but... Can you tell us how you got started in the um, in the shirt business or the clothing business? Well, we actually started as a commercial embroidery business. Uh, started in a back bedroom at home with one single head machine, and um, and it grew from there. Uh, we were partnering with a lot of uniform and uh, sportswear suppliers, uh, doing logos on their clothing. And um, as those relationships soured a little, uh, we were not feeling loved. Uh, we decided we could do. Uh, the whole job of supplying uniforms better and most of the feedback we got from customers who brought embroidery to us was, oh, I wish we could buy the shirts and the clothing from you. So uh, it was sort of a, just a generic growth and um, about, uh, well, it was back in 2001, so 13-odd years ago now, Denise set up Signature Clothing, broken away from the embroidery operation and uh, specialised in corporate wear because she'd spent a lifetime in corporate management. And, uh, yeah, we, we just contacted a lot of our suppliers and said, you know, what can we do? And, uh, yeah, uh, and then the business just grew from there. So it started from nothing and, uh, and now it's, uh, you know, like a million-dollar business and uh, still growing. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've just been uh, looking after customers really well, uh, giving great advice from uh, my wife and her sales team who specialise in this area. And, um, yeah, so th- that's basically the background of where it started from. Cheers, huh? And, you, look, you mentioned embroidery there. If we get down to real basics, um, when you're looking at people wearing uniforms uh, or a shirt that's been done for a business, I guess there's different types of printing or different ways they can get it done. So uh, embroidery then for the novice would be where you actually – it's like a 3D where it's actually using the thread? Yes, um, like – if we go right back to the basics of decorating any garment, so someone wants to equip their business out with a uniform and regardless of what the garment is, there's just a handful of decoration methods to put your logo and business information on it. The, the basic one is screen printing, which everyone's sort of familiar with, you know, from the surf shirt to, uh, you know, the sort of T-shirt with a screen printed name on the back that the concreter or builder wears around. Um, a few advantages of screen printing is that it's reasonably cheap uh, as the numbers grow. Uh, for singles, it can run out a little expensive, but it, it does have some disadvantages in that it'll, it won't last as long as the garment normally. It's, um, it's going to wash off. Being an ink process, it's just basically stuck onto a, a piece of fabric. It will wash off and fade and what have you. So it's not permanent, but the tradies, for example, that you know, are turning over garments quite uh, 
uh, often because they, you know, they knock them around so much, then it may be the most suitable way to decorate. And another way to do it is a, a vinyl transfer, which is uh, like a full colour logo put on a, a vinyl uh, substrate and then that's heat pressed onto the garment. Uh, quite permanent. Um, it's it's very flat though, but but you can do multiple colours and um, you know for reasonably small numbers. You know maybe for ten or fifteen or twenty garments. Um, you know it's a it's a suitable way of doing it. Uh, a new technology that's out now is direct digital print, or sometimes called DTG, direct to garment, and it's basically like. Uh, putting a shirt or a piece of fabric into an inkjet printer rather than a piece of paper and, okay, yep. and just print it straight to the garment. And uh, that, that works um, quite well. So that would be better for small runs rather than big runs or, how, or, is it, uh, uh, or does it scale up? No, you can, you, you, it is suitable for doing singles because instead of having to have uh, like a a template to make it from. It's basically just like you would uh, print a piece of paper with a picture on it, uh, one file with the JPEG-style um, uh, file can then just go to that printer and print it. Uh, obviously, there's the numbers increased and there's efficiency gains there, so it becomes cheaper, but it's uh, virtually colours are limitless, so it does have advantages like that. But the disadvantages are that, uh, like, like, the other uh, screen printing, it, it is still a print, and so it's not a permanent fixture onto the garment. It's uh, just something that's sort of stuck on the outside. So uh, there are some durability issues with it. So something that's being washed often is probably uh, you're not going to get a very long life out of it. But it has its place in the market. The uh, in the the printing style of thing, the most permanent way is dye sublimation, uh, which is um, uh, the uh, uh, process of uh, they print it onto a piece of paper and it's a, it's a dye, not an ink, and then that paper is put against a, a sheet of flat polyester fabric, uh, which must be white uh, to start with, and then under extreme heat and pressure, the, uh, the dye uh, turns to a gas that impregnates the fabric and then dyes the fabric, and then as it cools down, solidifies back to solid, never fades, never washes out. Uh, the only disadvantage with that is it must go on a sheet of white. So if you want a blue shirt, then you have to dye the, the fabric. The entire shirt. Yeah. But but you can have multiple logos. You, you often see, like, well, basically all the sporting teams, you know, any football or cricket or, you know, you see the multiple logos on those shirts, they are all dye sublimated. 100% polyester, so it's a, a breathable fabric but more towards a sporting fabric rather than a durable working fabric. So it has its place. Uh, and, and if it's someone who is in a business where they're not doing physical labour and, and putting, you know, mechanical wear and tear against the shirt, then it, it's, you know, suitable and it has its place as well. And then, say, the final one, which is what we do in-house, uh, is embroidery. Uh, it can often be the cheapest method, uh, which surprises most people to find that out. And uh, uh, it, it's, it has some advantages where it has a much more professional look. Uh, you can get some 3D effects using stitches to create the picture. Um, it is permanent. It, it will generally outlast the garment. And um, 
it, it just it, it's it stands you apart. It it will be the most professional look of all. How big would you go with your embroidery? Like I'm imagining for logos and your name on your shirt and things like that, embroidery sounds like the obvious choice. But if you're looking at the back of a t-shirt and you know, words and pictures, like where where would you say, okay, no, let's cut off the embroidery and go for one of the other methods? I avoid uh, embroidering the back of any garment. Uh, a jacket's okay because it's a, a, usually a shirt underneath it, but a shirt that's directly against the skin, um, with embroidery you've got a sheet of, uh, like tissue paper on the inside where the bobbin thread is, is on the inside so that, you know, because it's a sewing process, it goes through the garment. So it's not terribly comfortable to wear on your back. It's fine on the front and uh, the position on the back is what I call on the yoke, which is just underneath the collar. We can often put a, a either a phone number or a, more often a website address across there or uh, up on a shoulder. It, it works fine there and say on the front of a garment it, uh, you know, is, is the proper placement for or uh, sleeves where embroidery works well um, and as far as size goes uh, uh, on a male shirt a pocket is about 140 millimeters wide so when we're doing an embroidered logo or any logo of any form it, it's basically the guideline we use we try and not make one wider than that 140 millimeter wide logo is a big logo so um that the most common size is usually between about 60 and 90 millimetres wide. And, um, yeah, you know, just above a pocket on a chest and, say, up uh, just below the collar if we're going to do something on the back. If we, if someone wants something else done on the back of a shirt, then generally we, we pick one of the other methods to do the back of the shirt. Okay, fair enough. Um, as far as getting it, uh, like, the files to you guys are actually getting the design done, if people are bringing their own design, what, are the, what type of files they need? Are they, is it sort of vectors or JPEGs? How does that work for you guys? Any artwork file will work for us. So it can either be a JPEG, a bitmap, a, a GIF or um, a, an AI, uh, Adobe Illustrator or a, a PDF. Uh, but basically what, what we need is the highest resolution we can get. And very often a customer will say to us, yes, I can send you my logo and they'll just um, snap the photo off their website and send that JPEG to us. And I say, yes, yeah, so, you know, that's great. But I, I could have got that um, myself off your website. Um, it, it's, it's too optimised for the web. So the, the better artwork you start with, the better result you finish with, regardless of what decoration method you're using. And uh, so, you know, your printer, your graphic artist, uh, whoever set up your stationery, uh, even if it was done in-house, uh, those people will know where to get the, the original art file from that uh, is, you know, fully sized because uh, when you're setting up the artwork for any of these decoration methods, you have to blow it up to a massive size on the screen to drill down into the detail and especially when you're digitising for embroidery, it's, it's critical. Uh, you know, we can interpolate a lot of things, and I've worked with some, some pretty ordinary artwork in the past, but, you know, if we, we say to our people, if you really do want the best result, then give us the best artwork you can, and we'll produce a perfect replica of that in stitches. Okay. Um, um, let's move then, I guess, towards, like, the, the walking billboard type of shirt. Uh, so whether it is as a, a tradie or a, a PT, uh, so a personal trainer, and they're out and about, and they're using it to actually, you know, either drive traffic back to their website or a call to action, um, 
have you got any tips for folks on, you know, you're just trying to go for the minimum amount of words and the largest size? Does that look funny on a shirt? How do you sort of, um, have you got any advice for folks like that? The, the game has actually changed a little back to original. Back in the old days when it used to be your listing in yellow pages, I, I used to advise people, Firstly, your logo was the most critical thing because it was the most memorable thing. It was what distinguished you from the bloke next door doing the same thing as you. And then people would want to put their yellow pages out on the front of their shirt, you know, the phone number, the website, the uh, address and, and all this. And I'd say, look, keep it really simple because when people are looking for you, they'll go to yellow pages, they'll recognize your logo or possibly your business name, and that's all they'll know in their head. You're a say, a builder or a plumber or whatever, they'll be looking under building or plumbing, and then they'll see your logo and snap in and say, that's the guy I saw in the shirt. But uh, what's happened lately, uh, people never ever carried you know, pen and paper around uh, in their pockets generally. Maybe women would in their handbags, but most blokes wouldn't. But today, we've all got a information capture in our pocket. It's called our phone, and it's got a high-definition camera on it. So... Um, people will pull tradies and people like that up in a supermarket and just snap a photo of their shirt because it's got their phone number or their web address on it or the business name. Uh, so, so it has come around full circle where, where I used to advise against putting too much detail on a shirt. Uh, now when people do ask for a phone number, I see the sense in it again where there was a period there where there, there was no sense in it because I said, look, people will now look you up on the web uh, uh, and whether that means they'll find your directory listing from you know, local directories or yellow pages or whatever, or they find your website listing. Uh, but today, that, that, say, that has changed a little bit. But simpler is better, uh, still with a graphic logo, business name. Uh, if your business name is the same as your domain name, then I suggest that with the business name, just put the .com or the .com .au after it, if uh, you know, whichever is appropriate for you, yep. and allow you know the, drive the traffic back to the the hub of your business. And in, today, in most cases, the website is the hub of the business. It's no longer just the spoke out there that used to capture. It's usually the the home base now for most businesses. If you don't have a website, then sure, put your phone number on there. Uh, uh, but uh, it, it, it does come down to the people who benefit the most from that are people like tradies and, like I say, personal trainers or someone that's out and about and the contact would generally be by a phone call. If you're in a professional services business, uh, I would strongly uh, recommend against having contact details. Maybe the, the uh, web address, but generally I would say just have the logo and the business name and keep it simple, keep it clean, and make it look as professional as you can. Uh, people will have the trust in you. They will recognise the business name or they will recognise the image of your logo, and then when they go searching for lawyer or solicitor or whatever you know, try, uh, business we're looking at in that case, then they will find you, um, you know, by searching that, and, and hopefully you come up in the search results. So more of a branding type thing. So the fact that when they look later on, there's that recognition factor that they've sort of seen that um, logo or they've seen that business name beforehand. Yes, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, anyone, you know, for example, any bricks and mortar shop, for example, uh, in retail or 
uh, say, services like, you know, solicitors and doctors and, and what have you. We do an awful lot of uniforms for, you know, professional service businesses and uh, almost, you know, I have to say 99% of them, they do listen to our advice and they do keep it very clean, very simple, minimal amount of writing, just enough information that someone can recognise that's what their business is and, and it gives some hint as to what that business does and then allow the, the process to happen from there. But uh, if, if, if you went into a solicitor or a doctor, for example, and he came out and he had a T-shirt on with a screen print saying, oh, I'm Dr. Joe and my phone number's this and my website's this, you'd be a little worried because you'd be thinking, is this guy a doctor or is he a brick? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm interested um, in, in trialling out, and I don't know if you've seen anyone do it, but uh, you're familiar with the email marketing, the idea of having that lead magnet, you know, the, the free info giveaway or some kind of offer. Yep. And uh, yeah, like it would be a, it wouldn't be an office shirt that you'd wear, but if you're out and about um, doing a shopping or school run, uh, actually driving traffic to a uh, to an opt-in off the back of the t-shirt and see uh, see how that works. So yep. I don't know, I don't know if you've seen anyone who, who's done that before. Uh, I, I have. And I think it works, but I, I think it works better if it's done as a campaign rather than as a, an everyday uniform. Uh, if, if, say, every trade shows, like I think it'd be gold for trade shows. Yes. Um, if, if, yes, if you were doing, say, a trade show or even if you left the office and say you're just dropping down to the supermarket to grab some goods, sure, throw on the promotional garment that says, you know, free offer, uh, you know, Call this number, you know, or whatever it is, and you know we will deliver to you, you know, whatever the the benefits going to be. But when that person turns up to your business, I, I <laughs> yeah, they want to see someone that is, yeah, you know, like they they don't want to see the billboard. Then they want to see someone who is delivering the goods. For and, sure, you know, there's there's no harm in having two two garments as uh, separate uniforms for different purposes. Which is awesome segue because let's talk um, general costs. Uh, you know, for someone who's thinking about, oh, gee, I don't want to go get two different shirts. Um, you, you know, can you give us? Obviously, price is going to change for the different artwork and different processes. But you know, with folks looking at twenty dollars, they looking at a hundred dollars for a shirt. What's the, what's the outline there? Okay, uh, talking ballparks. If we started right down at the base of say a t-shirt with a uh, a, a print or an embroidered logo on the front and maybe a printed uh, message or business name or whatever on the back, then they're probably looking in the, the 12 to $20 range, depending on how much they had done on it. Uh, a, a polo shirt, uh, which today is probably a little more appropriate even for the people who like T-shirts, simply because you've got a collar there to protect your neck against the sun. Um, you know, we're all a little more aware of skin cancers and what have you. And a polo shirt will certainly look more professional. Uh, look, polo shirts, uh, in our case, we actually uh, gift, we, we include our embroidered logos for free. So when someone comes and buys a, a business shirt from us, whether it be a polo or a you know, proper dress shirt, uh, their logo gets embroidered for free. So if I'm talking about including logos here, um, a polo shirt can vary anywhere between, uh, you know, a good quality one between about eighteen to twenty dollars, up up to say forty five dollars for 
you know, something that's premium. And, and when I say that, I'm talking about you know a Ralph Lauren style polo that you'd pay eighty five or ninety dollars for in a department store. Then the equivalent quality that, that uh, we do for corporate polos would, would uh, say the most. I think the most expensive one we have is forty five dollars. You know, generally twenty five to thirty five in that range would be mid. And, and I'm talking fairly premium quality, uh, which you would expect to get uh, two years or so wear out of if it was a, a you know, couple of times a week wear. So it's not horrifically expensive. I was going to say, look, re- return on investment-wise, it's almost, uh, it's almost hard to argue for any business not to have some kind of uh, personalised shirt. It is. And, um, you know, the... Well, the more you pay, the better quality you're going to get. You know, like our, our biggest bugbear, you know, is the stores like Rivers and people like that who you often see, you know, selling the $5.95 polo shirt and and that that's exactly what you get. Um, and, and, you know, we can't compete against that because there's no way in the world we could sell that garment because we'd be refunding money because the people would be coming back and saying, look, it didn't last, you know, didn't do the duty and what have you. So um, even though we've positioned our business more towards the premium end of the market, it doesn't mean premium pricing. It just means that we've looked at things and said, you know, it's, it must be durable. It must be, uh, you know, have a good look to it, uh, but it must be able to perform the duty. And the last thing we want is someone coming back to us and saying it fell to bits, it's, you know, washed out its colour or whatever. So we just won't sell that. Uh, rubbish, and I think you'll find most reputable, you know, people who specialise in uniforms would be in the same boat. Uh, you know, the, the idea of the, you know the two dollar t-shirt and that, um, you know, that you go to the, the dollar shop or the you know, the crazy joes or whatever they call themselves these days to, to buy that stuff, and you know, it has its place in the market for people who are just looking for something to wear once or twice and throw away, but. That, that's all you will do with it. You, you but, but even then, the, the time involved in organising the, the artwork and getting things done, like it's almost counterproductive. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, it's sometimes that's a little difficult to convince people of that, but it, it is right. If you took, added up the total cost of you know, your time and you know, organising this and putting some thought into what your logoing is going to be, then the cost of the garment becomes a lot less relevant and it really comes down to something that can last. One of the worst things, my, my wife who runs the whole sales side of the business, she says, you know, the biggest problem we have in our business is that our, you know, people say, do you get repeat business? And we say, yes, we do, but the repeat cycle is about every second to third year. <laughs> so you need, you need to... Uh... <laughs> was it inbuilt um, obsolescence or were the things break early? Yeah, but, but say that, that generates a problem with you of, um, of having returns and, and uh, you know, we, we have a 100% guarantee we've got no problem with replacing anything that was, you know, faulty in any way, but it's the last thing we want to be doing. Uh, simply because it's just not good for business. But um, what we have is customers who, oh, we even got an email today, a lady reordered from a very large client we have, we do all the uniforms, and she said, oh, uh, this lady Bronwyn needs to reorder, and she said it was seven years since she last got shirts from you, and that's how long she's been wearing them. We say, oh, that, well, that's not good for business, but it is great for business because it's a great testament that the garments that you're selling are, are, are quality products. and. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is worth your while to just spend, you know, not a lot more, just that little bit more and 
get a quality garment that is going to make your business look good and uh, is going to last the time as well. Last one on prices, um, how, how do they scale? So also we're talking you know, businesses with sort of three or four small staff, but once you start getting 50, uh, 60, 100 staff, uh, does the, the prices sort of decrease rapidly or sure. plateaus? Or? Yeah, sure they do. Um, you know, you, you, we try and set our retail prices uh, at or below our suppliers and manufacturers' recommended retails. And say uh, if, if we put a, an RRP price on, then we include the, the embroidered logo for free. So, you know, that would be something that would normally cost anywhere between $5.50, 7 uh, $9.50. Uh, so we include that uh, as our uh, giveaway rather than go bulk discounting. But uh, as you, you can, you know, if people buy as few as five or six shirts, then, you know, we'll apply a discount to that because obviously there's some savings for us. It's the same amount of work for us to source the shirts, whether we get one or five or ten or a thousand. And um, with certain suppliers, we do get price breaks ourselves as the volume goes up. And uh, and also in, in the embroidery operation, well, we have multi-head machines. So if we have to use a machine to sew one or two shirts and the same machine can do six or eight at a time, then obviously there's a cost saving to us there as well. So we pass that on by discounting that back as well. Sure. And we give discounts off our retail pricing of up to 25%, depending on the size of the order. And, of course, when the numbers go up to, you know, in the hundreds, then... Uh, we sort of throw our recommended retail away and what we do is just look from a business case, say what do we need to earn to justify doing that work yep. and divide that by the number of garments and that's the price per garment. And for some of the larger corporations that we do work for, uh, you know, like Jetstar and Qantas and uh, Lionco and um, you know, BHP, uh, we're up in a mining area, so BHP and Rio Tinto and... Uh, extrata then you know they come in in the hundreds all the time and so you know the pricing we can give them is extremely advantageous but uh, but we pass that you know look a person comes in and they want one shirt uh, we're happy to do one shirt you know every customer is a customer and we don't know who they know and all we need to do is keep them happy and business just keeps feeding on from that so um, you know we think we have very competitive pricing and um, you know, it's just a case of uh, asking, you know, what's the best we can do for them and we'll certainly do the best deal we can. All right. What haven't I asked you that uh, folks should know about the shirts? Is there other mistakes people make or how else can they uh, tweak it? Um, offline, we spoke quickly about uh, the artwork, uh, like, you know, sharp corners or particular fonts that don't, is it, is it things that just don't work uh, well or you should try and avoid? Uh, yes. Uh, look, very often we have to manipulate a logo, especially uh, lettering is the hardest part, believe it or not. Uh, the, the graphic of the logo, um, you know, we can uh, add or delete detail as need be to make sure it sews picture perfect. Uh, a little guideline I can give is um, for every increase or decrease in size of the logo by, say, 10%, is about a 25% increase or decrease in detail. So in, in, in embroidery, uh, basically the bigger the logo goes, then the more stitches you can put in, and, and that's a, 
uh, an exponential sort of figure because it's two-dimensional. And um, as, as more stitches go in, it means you can give more detail to things. But we, we try and not make logos too big. But when it comes to lettering, you're basically limited to 20 characters in any one line, and that includes stops and spaces and hyphens and commas and all that sort of thing. So, you know, if someone comes to us and their you know, business name runs out, it's, you know, 30 letters long, and we say, look, you know, it, it's just not going to fit on one line. It's going to look ridiculous. So what we need to do is, you know, maybe break your business name and your tagline uh, up into two or three lines of lettering just so that we can keep it under that, you know, at or under 20 characters and you get a much nicer balance. The logo doesn't go too wide. Uh, the, the, the minimum size for lettering uh, we can do down to about uh, two and a half, three millimetres high, but that's virtually unreadable from any more than about um, 300 to 400 millimetres away. So we try and keep lettering at around five and a half to six millimetres as a minimum. And so to put you on the spot then, how, so on the front of a shirt, how would you do Redcliffe Marketing Labs? Would you do that one word per line? I'd, I'd, uh, <laughs> it, it, it could be done one line. I'd probably be more inclined to put the Redcliffe above and Marketing Labs underneath. So put it on two lines and split it that way. But having said that, we, we can also say if there was the logo to go with it, then we may set the logo into a corner and have like the red cliff word offset with the logo on one. And uh, float, flow around it. Yeah, and then uh, have the you know marketing labs just underneath it. So, but, but what, what we'll do is um, when people come to us with a logo, we say, look, we're the professionals. I've been doing logo design for over 25 years and... So, um, you know, I, I rate myself fairly highly at it. And the program we use is the absolute ace program in the world. It's actually Australian developed Wilcom program. It, it costs uh, almost $50,000 to buy, so it's got a fair bit of power in it. And what we say is, look, just give us your logo. We will work it and I will send you, uh, because the program will output like a stitch picture, and, um, and I'll say, I'll come back to you and I might give you four or five options. So I'll lay it out in, you know, because once you've set the actual logo up, you know, it's really just a case of cut and paste, scale up and down. Uh, you know, the program's extremely powerful like that. So I can produce several versions of the logo in different colorways and everything uh, quite easily. It's just a click and, uh, you know, snip uh, operation once I've set up the basic logo and that. And so I can come back to people with a whole lot of options and say, you, you choose what you think you like. Uh, but here's, here's what I recommend for width and height. We'll, we'll try and stick within those boundaries. And especially if, say, they want to do caps as well. Now, you know, a cap, the embroidery on a cap front can basically uh, be 120 millimetres wide by about 50 millimetres high. And, uh, you know, so it, it sort of restricts us there. So I say, well... You know, but the cap doesn't have to necessarily match the shirt in the layout of the logo, though, just as long as they're both recognisable as being the same business. So very often, you know, we'll vary the, the thing around from that. But then if, if people want, you know, to go for custom-made caps uh, where we embroider the fabric before the cap's actually made, then, you know, you can embroider the whole top of the cap. You can, you can embroider okay, it. Okay, and then get them to make the cap afterwards. Yes, yeah. So, um, you know, we, we often do, you know, we've got quite a few customers who have those custom-made caps. The only restriction there is because it's something that gets made in China and 
uh, and that you know there's uh, like minimum orders of twelve thousand, so one hundred and forty-four um, caps to be made in any one uh, order. But you know, for the bigger customers who just want something unusual and different, um, you know, it's, it, you know, and they're ordering, you know, like sometimes it's five hundred or a thousand of them, and it's quite viable for them to do that. And it also works out um, extremely uh, inexpensive. All right. Uh, and you just reminded me then something about colours, and I'll, I'll make that the last the last uh, question then because we're running on time. Um, often when you you're taking like your artwork off, uh, and, and so many so much that these days you're working on the screen when you're looking at your artwork and things like that. Um, I know printers are quite specific because they, they print on the ink with the, the different colour set to what you normally have on your screen. Is there any issues about um, matching the same colour? Uh, you know where you get your your shirt back when it's embroidered and, and the colour palette is different to what you would expect from seeing your logo on the screen? Uh, yeah, there it is. Uh, I, I hate graphic designers for that because they've got about 12,000 colours they can work with in the PMS gradings and we have about 520 colours in threads that uh, we have to work within. But we have charts that compare PMS numbers to thread colour numbers and we, we can get, you know, very close most of the time. Uh, so basically, if, if someone is, you know, got to be really particular about the shade of colour, just give us the PMS number. Ask their printer or sign writer to tell them what that is because uh, they certainly work with those numbers. And, um, and that way, you know, we, we can match the thread to that colour number uh, as, you know, within the limits of threads that are manufactured. And um, just with colours, for example... You know, so most graphic artists will set up a logo on a white background. Uh, it's just the way they do their art. But, you know, so someone will come to us and say, oh, we want black shirts. And I say, oh, well, you know, your logo is all black. Um, what we've got to do is reverse it. So, uh, you know, very often we'll just have to substitute, you know, say the logo is black, grey and red on a, on a white background, then we would go red, grey and uh, white on a black background, sure. But but it, we can lay that all out for them and send it through, and you know make sure that you know the customer is you know exactly you know happy with what we're doing there. But uh, you know it's, it really just comes down to uh, trusting our professional judgment to give them a uh, you know a good result, and uh, and then just making sure that the client you know is happy with um, you know the way we've interpreted their brief. But, but at any reputable uniform place, you know, I mean, you know, there's some good operators out there that you know they should be able to do that. And if, if they don't ask you those questions and don't deliver that, I suggest you go on to the next one you found in the, the listing. No problems. All right, um, look, thank you. Um, that's pretty much the end of the questions I had. Unless there's anything else you really want to cover off? Uh, no, I think um, yeah, we're we're pretty. Oh, the only other thing I was going to say that you know, like most of the garments. You know, the, the best value you're going to get is obviously with ready-made garments that come from the suppliers that, you know, are done in large volumes. But there is always the option there to, you know, get a garment custom-made. And the numbers don't have to be huge to do that. Uh, you know, it's just a case of uh, drawing your brief down on, you know, on a piece of paper of, you know, what you had in mind. And, uh, you know, and a, a decent uniform supplier should be able to tell you if that's possible to make. And... A rough budget to do it, but it's not 
frightfully expensive. Um, you know, obviously you're paying a premium there for you know small runs of a special garment, but you know, custom make is an option as well. So you know, people people just need to be brave enough to ask and um, you know use their imagination a little when they're they're looking at their uniform needs. And on how can folks get hold of you if they've got more questions? Well, they can go to our website, which is signatureclothing.com.au, and uh, I'll, I'll make an offer to any of your listeners, Mick, that uh, you know normally there's a set-up cost with uh, setting up logos for embroidery and that, but if they come to us via this, uh, this podcast and just mention that it was from Mick or from the podcast, then we'll do that uh, logo set-up for free. Normally, it's something we would charge... 45 or 65 or 85 dollars for depending on the the amount of time it takes to do it but um i'll i'll give that to to your listeners for free uh, thanks very much for that that's a that's a pretty good offer so folks who are listening uh, if you've got questions about uniforms then uh look, do consider getting an article and and uh, heading up there so signatureclothing.com.au uh, thanks very much um we'll catch up uh soon i'm sure and uh, we'll close that one up so thanks very much Arne. That's a pleasure. Thank you.